Welcome to the NextGen Work Culture Podcast. I'm your host, Courtney Ross. I help leaders support working parents so that they can recruit and retain the best people. Join me as I interview experts and provide insights into the struggles that parents and caregivers face in the workplace. Learn how your business can become a place where parents feel included, supported, and valued. Being a family-friendly business isn't just a nice-to-have anymore. For the next generation and those that are raising them, it is critical. Welcome back to the Next Gen Work Culture podcast. Today, I am talking with Allison Whalen, who is the founder and CEO of Parentally. Parentally is a company who helps with uh, parental leave, and I think you're really going to enjoy this episode. Welcome, Allison. Thank you for having me. Um, will you tell us how old are your kiddos, and can you share one thing that is just an absolute joy in this uh, stage of life for you and then maybe something that's kind of a struggle with them right now yeah i'm like just one thing um <laughs> yeah that's hard <laughs> i have to think about that no um my kids are six three and one so i am right in the thick of things i think the i mean i guess i don't know because i don't have old kids yet but i feel like the exhausting period um yes i would say the biggest joy right now is the moment I feel the most joy is when the kids are loving each other. I just think it is the cutest thing yeah. to see them become friends and to care and to play. It's just a joy that I didn't expect coming into motherhood. And so that's sort of like the three and six year old are now, of course, they fight, but it's just really cute. Right. And struggle depends on the kid. The six year old is very whiny right now. And the three year old has learned how to lie really well. And so we're dealing with that. And the one year old doesn't know how to speak so she's you know screeching and um so yeah I think it's it's like every three months the struggle changes yeah yeah for sure my one-year-old well she's about to be two she's finally getting some words (laughs) there's still a lot of screeching but we're having a little bit less of that so that's that's nice (laughs) yeah it's just like a seagull sometimes and we're like oh you just tell me what's wrong, then we could solve this. You know? Yeah. Yeah. We joke. Uh, my daughter's a little more like a, a velociraptor. Yeah. <laughs> and she is very strong willed. So that velociraptor comes out a lot. Yeah. <laughs> I could totally relate to that. Yeah. Um, so I'm really excited to talk to you today about parental leave. I know there's like so much that we're going to get into, but let's start with a very kind of loaded question, I guess. Why is paid parental leave? so important why is it important for the parents and also like why is it something that businesses really should be you know worried about investing in yeah very important for parents for so many reasons um a quality of caregiving so i believe everyone fathers and mothers should have paid parental leave to have that equality of caregiving it sets the stage right in from the first moment that will last an entire lifetime of being able to share that burden, so to speak, at home, um, the caregiving responsibility. There's also so much research that shows that it is so beneficial to the health of the parents, especially if there's a birth parent involved, uh, to that person's recovery as well as to the child. So there, like the law, there's a whole laundry list of why this is so, so, so good for the people. Mm-hmm. Where I spend more of my time, though, is really talking about why is this good for the company? 
So like, let's bring this back to capitalism here, because uh, yeah, short of, you know, the country passing a law and mandating this, which I wish would happen, I think that is actually the right solution. But until we have that, we have to make the capitalist case for this or it's not going to work. We cannot rely on the goodness of, you know, a company to provide something unless it makes sense for them. And so, right. And it is good for them. And so where I spend a lot of my time is talking about, well, why is this good for a company? Number one, if you are looking to attract top talent, you just have to provide paid parental leave. You just do. Yeah. It's simple. Like you don't need to do an analysis. You have to do it. You have to provide it. We are seeing this day in and day out. People will turn down jobs if you don't have a paid parental leave policy. That didn't happen 10 years ago. So it is very, very different today. So if you want to get good good talent, you have to have it. Um, it's also really good because, quite frankly, you want to have pro- productive employees when they return after having a child. If you don't give them paid leave, you force them to come back too soon or you put them in financial distress, you're not going to get the quality of work that you want as a company. And then the third thing I would encourage companies to think about is retention. So if you don't provide paid leave, they will potentially leave, quit. Like, what is the cost of replacing this employee as opposed to making them happy, loyal, successful while they go out on leave? So I believe that there are actually a ton of reasons why companies should do this based on the bottom line dollars and cents. It's not just because it's the right thing to do. Yeah, absolutely. And I'm sure there's lots of like research and numbers and stats we could throw out there on that, too, that, you know, people are going to be a lot more um, productive if they have a good amount of leave rather than trying to come back, say, two weeks after they've had a baby. Um, I had 12 weeks of just FMLA, you know, unpaid leave with both Mm -hmm. in line. But I can't even fathom going back to work sooner than that. Um, Same. I can't imagine the the women who are doing that because I was exhausted, you know, with a three-month-old. And with a three-week-old, it's a whole different game. <laughs> yeah, I just I, I, I've I done with my third child. It's my own business. I work from home and I did a little bit of work starting at week seven postpartum. Mm-hmm. But that's barely what you know, and when we see yeah. women going back to work um, for weeks postpartum, like that's not what I did. You know, I, I can't even yeah. imagine what that's like. Yeah, no. And it's not fair to, um, you know, anyone. It's not fair to the mom or the baby or the dad, but it's also not fair to the company that they're paying for this, you know, person that's really not as productive as they could be if the company would just invest in the paid leave. Mm -hmm. So thank you for sharing that, you know, all of those reasons. So let's say that I am planning to start my family soon and I'm currently at a company that doesn't have any sort of paid leave. Is there anything I can do to maybe try to convince them that this is a good idea? Yes. Um, we actually have a phenomenal template on our resources page. It's totally free. We've had so many people use it with even really large Fortune 500 companies to convince their company to extend their paid leave or introduce a new paid leave policy. And I would say if you're interested in doing this, I'll sort of summarize what's in the template. Mm-hmm. Number one, we have all the research in there. So it's already in there. It cites it. So if they want to see what the researchers say, we have it for you. So you make a case. This is good. Here's why. Second step, what are your competitors providing? That is arguably the most important thing that you can do. From what I've seen anecdotally, that is the thing that really moves the needle because 
most companies do not want to be behind. They may not want to be the leader, but they certainly don't want to be the end of the line. They want to be right in the middle. And so mm-hmm. if you're at an organization and you look around to your competitors and you say, we are so far behind, that is probably the best thing that you can share with leadership at your organization to convince them they need to do better. Um, the other thing, there are two other important parts here. One is getting stories from other employees, humanizing what this means to not have paid leave. So we have a section in this um, template that you can get on our website that literally we just encourage you to go around and get testimonials from employees because oftentimes there may be a misunderstanding or a disconnect. And so being able to say, this is what this actually felt like. This is why that w- this was so difficult humanizes the experience. And then the f- last thing that we encourage people to do is actually do the math for company leadership. Because the problem is if you just go to them and you say, hey, we need to do it for X, Y, and Z reasons. And then they're like, great, thank you. Let me look into this. Their next step is to put dollars and cents. And you don't want to slow that down. And so if you can get ahead of that by saying, okay, if we offer X weeks of paid leave, like this is what this will cost the company. One final tip for the cost uh, calculator. I've been fascinated to see that a lot of companies don't actually put a cost to paid leave. So if they're going from like six weeks of paid leave to eight weeks of paid leave, if they're not going to backfill that person, that like what finance does is they don't say that that costs anything because I'm paying Interesting. you. Which I was fascinated. It was fascinating to see that. If I'm paying you as an employee your salary for the year, it doesn't actually cost me more cash to give you an additional two weeks to not be at work. Now, of course, we all know there's a theoretical opportunity cost in that, but there's not a real cash cost. And I could make a case that, well, is that even a real cost? Because like you're allowing them to recover and come back better, yeah. right? Um, so all this stuff we have in our template. And really, at the end of the day, I say, like, you got to make the business case. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I love your idea of collecting testimonials and stories because, I mean, as humans, we are drawn to stories and we're going to right. react more emotionally <laughs> to stories. Uh, but then, you know, you also have to make it make sense. It can't yeah. just be an emotional decision because a business isn't, you know, run on emotions. It has right. to be money. So you have to convince them that it's a good money decision, too. Yeah. The other thing was the stories is it shows that a lot of people are talking about it. So it's yeah. not just me, Allison Whalen, I want this thing and here's the proposal. I think it shows, hey, people here, a lot of people care and here are 10 different stories from people. And so it's like I've gone around, I've talked to all these people, I've gotten these stories. This is something that actually matters because to be fair, like company leaders are being asked for so many things at every moment in time. And so I think there's also this value of, of showing this isn't just me. This is a bigger thing. Many people want this as well. Mm-hmm. Do you think it's helpful to find out like how many of your colleagues are planning to have a baby soon or thinking about starting a family? Like, have you found that that's helpful at all to be able to add that kind of statistic or not really? No, I mean, the reality is most companies know how many people go on parental leave per year. In fact, we ask that in every sales meeting and almost everyone knows. And if they don't have it like from memory already, they get back to us. They oftentimes in sales calls will look it up and give us the answer. So they know they know the scale um, and it's roughly three to six percent of 
an employee population that goes on parental leave per year. So mm-hmm. if you wanted to make an estimate, I mean, we usually say like 5%. Um, yeah. So that, you know, they should probably know that. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So, so I say if you are, um, you know, somebody in this situation that's trying to get the parental leave, I feel like your best kind of friends might be the people who have young kids right now who have already kind of been through the parental leave or lack thereof. Would you say that's true? In order to get more paid parental Yeah. Leave. Yeah. Like to collect those stories and such. Yeah, I think that's that is true. I will say, I think the thing that matters the most, though, is what are your competitors doing? Yeah. Okay. Because that's well, just that's good to know. Yeah. It's just what I have seen and the feedback I've gotten from people who have won better payment policies from the organization. They say that is the thing. That is the thing that moves the needle. The other things are important, but that is the thing yeah. that can make or break your proposal. That's what's going to convince them. Look mm-hmm. up the the. What is everyone else doing? You know? Yeah. All right. Um, So, okay, you've convinced them. They want to make a policy. Now I'm that HR manager that has to write this thing. Um, You know, what are the big things I need to think about or keep in mind or like hurdles to watch out for? Yeah. And write the policy. So we also have an example policy on our website that people can download. Um, And I recently did this workshop that was the 10 things that you should consider in your parental leave policy. And I won't walk through all of them. I'll spare you that because that was an hour long (laughs) workshop. So we don't want to take up all that time. But there are quite a few things that you should think about, including uh, obviously how long is the policy is really important. How do you structure it? Mm -hmm. Do birth parents get more time than non-birth parents? Uh, What are the tenure requirements? So previously, almost every company said, you do not qualify for paid parental leave unless you have been here for over a year. Now, so many companies are scaling that back and they're saying either you have immediate eligibility or three to six months. Uh, And so that's one thing to consider is what is your tenure requirement to have access to that? And then we also encourage companies to think about, do you have a return to work policy or program that you can add into that you know, parental leave policy in general? Will you allow your employees to split their leave? Will you put limitations on that? Which is actually really important because a lot of people want to split their leave, particularly fathers. They want to take a few weeks right when the baby is born or placed with their family. And then they want to tack on the end of that leave towards the end of you know their partner's leave, for example. But from a company's perspective, you have to be careful if you allow them to split it in any number of ways, because if they get 16 weeks of paid leave and they say, okay, great, I'm going to take four weeks and then the rest of it, I'm just going to come back part-time for nine months. Ah, like that's really what a company wants, right? Um, And so we see a lot of companies put really strict limits on how much you can split it up. Can you take single days of your parental leave or not? Because when you start coming back part-time or you take single days of parental leave, that's not really parental leave. So maybe you're, you're okay with that as a company, but it kind of goes against the intent of offering parental leave and utilizing parental leave overall. Yeah. Uh, funny you mentioned that because my husband had that ability to split his up. So he could take up to 12 weeks of leave. He had to use his accumulated um, time off in order to be paid, but he had plenty of it. So he did. And with our second daughter, he took off like, I think, three or four weeks with me at the beginning and then took off the whole month of May when I had to go back to work and finish out the school year because I was a teacher mm-hmm. at the time. 
And then also took off the major holidays for the rest because he could use it anytime in the her first year. It was fabulous for us because he usually works weekends and holidays in his line of work. And he was able to ensure that he was able to spend her first Christmas with her. And, you know, all of that is great for us. But yeah. thinking back on it now from like his employer's perspective, he was probably a real big pain in the butt. <laughs> yeah. Because <laughs> he was putting in a bunch of little two and three day right. parental leaves throughout the rest of the year to use up all of his time. Yeah. And I don't necessarily think that, you know, again, the companies that I work with tend to be they're offering upwards of like four to six months of leave. And yeah. I think it's when it becomes problematic. I don't think if you have 12 weeks to do what your husband did, is not yeah. that disruptive to the organization. But I have seen some sort of like bad situations where if somebody gets six months of leave and they basically just decide to work part time for like the whole year, you know? yeah. yeah, then that's not really that's very difficult. Um, so, yeah, I, I think it, it really is. It depends on the circumstances, what limitations companies want to put in. Yeah, but I think it is important to to have those limitations. I could see where people could abuse that real quick. <laughs> yeah. Um, so let's kind of shift to the parents. If I just found out I'm expecting either as a mom or the non-birthing parent, um, what should I do? You know, how soon should I tell my manager? How am I going to prepare for leave? Like, what's those first steps? When you should tell, totally up to you. Uh, we are seeing people more often than not wait until about 16 to 20 weeks. Previously, everyone would say, oh, you'd Disclose at 12 weeks. We're, we're seeing people wait longer for a variety of good reasons. Uh, but if you want to tell, whenever you want to tell, then that's totally your decision. You don't actually start planning, typically, like putting together a coverage plan until about the 30-week mark. At least, so our business, we run a career coaching program for expecting employees that starts three months before they go on leave through three months back at work. And so... Oftentimes when people say, oh, what should I be doing or when should I disclose this? My answer is like, I mean, it doesn't really matter, right? Like you should start planning around the 30-week mark, which people are usually surprised at. The reason we say that is if you start too early, you don't have enough visibility into the needs of the business to really put together a good plan. But if you wait past 30 weeks to do that, you could be rushing it or like if you go out early, you know, that's putting yourself Mm -hmm. in a bad position as well. In terms of what you should do, we have an entire coaching program around this. Yeah. It's actually like a lot that people should be doing. Coverage planning is a really great opportunity to, uh, for lack of a better term, reinvent yourself. And I mean that in the best possible way, which is make you have this incredible opportunity to stop your job and come back again. So let's make this great right it's like let's wind down the things and that aren't working let's stop yeah doing the things that aren't you know productive um and let's make sure that when you return to work you return in a role that feels really meaningful and really aligned to what you want to be doing and so everything that we have in our coverage planning program is with that end in sight you want to return to a role that feels really good that is close it's going to make it feel worth it to leave your child or your children for eight hours a yeah. day. Um, hard. <laughs> yeah. And and so I think that's like the end goal. You need to build a coverage plan. You need to think about, do you communicate at all with work while you're out? Um, how is the team that's covering your work going to be tracking updates while you're out? 
So there's a lot that you can do, but in terms of like the actual coverage planning, looks totally different by person. So it's hard to even summarize it. It's like if you're in sales, you're doing something different than if you're in product or marketing. It's it's very, very complicated to do, which is why we actually, when we launched my business, we thought, oh, we'll make this just like, here's the e-course, you know, and that and didn't work. Um, and so we realized, you know, you need more than that because we can tell you the steps to take, but then it will bring up all sorts of questions around, okay, but I'm worried about this thing that's happening on my team and what's the escalation path. Like there's just so many if thens that people need to work through with a career coach in that moment. And it looks so different by person. Yeah. I I imagine that's like dramatically different depending on the industry, the role, you know, are you management or are you relatively new? Um, There's going to be a a lot that goes into that. Yeah. um, Building that plan. Yeah. So speaking of management, if I'm the manager of someone who just came to me, one of my direct reports just said like, I'm going to have a baby. Woo. You know, they're really excited. You may not be quite as excited as their manager because you're thinking, oh my gosh, I'm going to have to come up with a way to cover them, you know. So like, how do you help your, or how much should the manager be involved in helping prepare for leave? We recommend that managers set upfront guardrails and that actually the expecting employee, the pregnant employee, for example, Mm -hmm. they should be building their coverage plan, but they do need the support and advice of their manager. Um, The reason for that is, it's important for that expecting employee to have agency in their career and they just are closer to the details. So they will make a stronger yeah. plan manager. But the manager has a really important role because managers are the only ones that know what part of their job can we pause? What things can we move deadlines on? Um, do I have additional budget? Do I have headcount? Like maybe I have a new hire that's starting soon and it would make sense to ask them to do some of this person's work while they're out as part of their onboarding or training. And so it's really important for managers. We usually recommend three to four months before this person is starting their leave to sit down and think, what are my ideas? What are the additional resources that I have? And what are the goals that I have for my team that I need to make sure are taken into consideration as this coverage plan is being built? And then the most important thing other than that um, is performance reviews. So this is something that people don't usually think about. But if a pregnant employee or a new parent employee uh, misses a performance review, that mm-hmm. could have such a damaging impact on their career. And people always forget that. And so if someone is going to miss a performance review or if that performance review is scheduled to happen in the first two months that they're back from their leave, we recommend doing it before they go out or at least have a draft version because these performance reviews are so important for everyone that you just don't want anyone to miss out on that yeah um i know it's like a little different in the business world but as a teacher when i came back i had to do in that last month of school i had to do one of my you know reviews with my principal where she had to come and like evaluate me and my teaching and my lesson plan i've only been at back to work for like two weeks you know right and i hadn't been there in 12 weeks and i didn't remember all the students names i hadn't even taught most of that semester a substitute had i was like preparing for finals it is like this is kind of ridiculous. How are you getting a good evaluation of me right now? There's no way. (laughs) And I had reminded them before leave, like, hey, can we get this done? Hey, can we get this done? And they were just too busy and didn't get it. And yeah, it was not a good situation at all. Yeah. And that's the same thing in Mm non-educational settings. It's Right. Yeah. You're not at your best the first month that you're back. You're onboarding, you're learning. 
Uh, so it's just not a good moment in time. And most new parents, men, women, I don't care, if they have been out of work, they always have a little bit of lack of confidence when they return. Yeah. And so you're kind of kicking them while they're down. Yeah. It's like you're kicking them while they're down. And this isn't even a representation of their real work. Yeah. Yeah. So it just takes a little kind of planning ahead. Mm-hmm. Humanity. <laughs> right. <laughs> you know, <laughs> a little bit of compassion and thinking, you know, how could I help this employee out? Um, right. And not kick them while they're down, like you said. Yeah. Um, so how can managers help with that return to work process, you know, with the re-onboarding? How much should the manager be involved with that? They are in charge of that. So I won't mince words. That is their singular greatest responsibility in the entire parental leave experience is build a re-onboarding plan. Treat them almost like they are a new hire. They should return to work and feel like there's a plan there's orientation for them or onboarding. There are one-on-ones. They're on calendar invites for the appropriate things. Their equipment works. Uh, you know, all of the things that you would think about for a new hire, for some reason, we forget to do that for a returning-to-work parent. And it is yeah. a very similar thing. If you've been out of work for a few months, you need a re-onboarding experience. And especially, you need to get caught up on the context of your work and what's happened since you were out. We always recommend that we put as much as possible in writing because the problem is if you just come back and you meet with the people who covered for you and you say, what happened? I mean, they don't remember. And yeah. this it takes forever to, to pull that out of people's memories as opposed to if the people who covered for you sat down and almost put together like, here's a, pl- here, here's a summary of what happened on a project by project basis or work stream basis. Here, I'm going to link out to important documents or whatnot. Um, That is much, much more effective to do it that way. Yeah, I imagine so, especially if you are working with a, uh, you know, tired new mom. (laughs) She might not remember everything from that conversation anyways. It's good to have a document to go back to and look at um, as you can reacquaint yourself to what work is especially if it's like your first baby because you're like a whole new person right (laughs) once you've had that kid you're not the same person you was before so or you were before so now you're trying to figure out what what does life look like as a working parent which is the other thing we always say is managers should talk about boundaries so people do oftentimes need different boundaries or different accommodations the first few months that they're back at work and then that may change and things can go back to the way they were or look even different after that And talking about those boundaries is really helpful. Do you need extra flexibility? Do you want to travel or not? Uh, You know, Mm -hmm. what having those conversations about scheduling and things like that are really helpful as well. Yeah. And not making assumptions about Mm -hmm. some of those things, like assuming the new mom doesn't want to travel or, you know, doesn't want to take on an extra project or because maybe she does. Right. You know, then we get into that whole mom penalty and. That's a whole nother totally. Yeah. <laughs> but even like within travel, I've always loved to travel newly back at work after my children. But I don't think my managers ever realized that I needed a fridge in my hotel room. Yeah. And so luckily, I was allowed the opportunity to choose my own hotels. But if someone was scheduling it for me, I've actually taken work trips before where I've showed up and been like, oh, my gosh, they don't even la- allow me to 
They don't have even a mini fridge that I can pay for to bring in. And then what do I do? Because I'm pumping. Yeah. And, you know, so it's yeah. it is really important to talk about those things. And even if someone is comfortable with travel, how much travel? Are there a certain number of nights that they want to limit that to? Do they need a fridge? Do they need breast milk shipping? Like there's a lot that can be more yeah. about that as well. Yeah. And like, are they going to need a certain amount of, um, you know, notice before travel? You can't right. be, uh, you're going to go somewhere this Friday. Uh, right. I know for me, I would have to have a lot more time to figure out, um, you know, sending the kid to the grandparents' house or something like that. So yeah, totally. there's a lot more logistics that go into it once you're a parent. And not even to make this all about breastfeeding, but with my first child, uh, you know, I was, he was exclusively breastfed uh -huh. and it was that I really cared about. And I had to work really hard to build up that stash of extra milk yeah. that rapidly went away every work trip. Yeah. Trip. Um, and so to your point, like if somebody said, hey, can you go on this trip in three days? I'd be like, no. Later on with my second and third kid, I couldn't do it. <laughs> so yeah, <laughs> reading supplemented with formula all yeah. the time, which is totally fine. But it was like important to me with the first child and that's what I wanted to do. And with the second and third, it wasn't. And so I could be asked to go on a work trip at the drop of a hat with the other two. But there's a lot yeah. of personal preference and things like that that goes into that consideration. Yeah, absolutely. Well, thank you so much for, for chatting with me today. I'm sure we could talk about this all day. Uh, but if people want to learn more about you or parentally, where where can they find you at? Well, we post all the time on LinkedIn, so we're constantly posting tips and tricks and stories. Um, so you can find me on LinkedIn, Parentally on LinkedIn. Our resource page is really good. We give a lot of stuff away for free. So parentally.com backslash resources. Check that out for, you know, policy or best practices, things like that. Uh, and we have a podcast as well called The False Trade-Off, where we're interviewing people were expanding outside of just parental leave and focusing on working parenthood in general. But the concept behind the false trade-off is we assume that you have to pick one. You have to either be really good at work or really good at being a parent. And we're showing examples of how that's not true and that that is a yeah. false trade-off. You can actually feel really good and do really well at both places. Yeah, I love that so much. And I'll be sure to link all of that in the show notes as well. Thank you again. Thank you for having me. If you've enjoyed this episode, please take just a moment to leave a rating in your podcast player and be sure to subscribe so you never miss an episode. Until next time, take care.